0: Welcome to the 66th edition of the Wolves Women Podcast. I'm your host Nick, and tonight we have a very good special guest—or should that be good afternoon? Because we've got live dialing in from the United States of America, our friend and yours, Baltimore Wolves. a.k.a. Danny,
1: welcome, Danny, to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a—it's a great honor to get your message.
0: Yeah, well it was a good opportunity to get you across and you could tell, you know, sort of and get your views from stateside of sort of some of the things that goes on in around sort of women's football, particularly sort of stateside. Um, but before we dive into sort of the last couple of games and everything else, um a bit about yourself. Obviously, you're based over in Baltimore,
1: USA. Um, how did you come support Wolves? Um, it's one of those great mysteries of supporting any sports team where uh you know it's it's hard to pinpoint an exact reason but um obviously i've you know played football or or soccer as we more commonly call it uh when i was a kid you know stayed stayed interested despite you know all the other major sports in america um and was still watching the premier league um after college and a friend of mine uh was a big uh southampton supporter so i watched a bunch of games with him but never really uh attached myself to a team not You know never really fell in love until uh the season that the men's team got promoted to the premier league for whatever mysterious reason they they caught my eye i mean obviously they were a very exciting team at the time um but it it was more than that and it's hard to really explain and then and then in terms of wolves women i mean as you know women's football out here is uh is a pretty big thing and um yeah, you know, I'd always been interested in that. Always, um, you know, separate from whatever men's team I supported. Um, especially once Washington Spirit popped up in the NWSL, and it was just kind of a natural, natural fit. As soon as I found out that there was a women's team, and and I think that that was around the time that um, the that Wolves started really promoting the women's team a bit more on on mm-hmm. social media. I'm sure that that's you know how yeah, I came would've... to learn of it. I don't think that I specifically went out of my way to find if Wolves had a women's team. Uh, I think it must have just been posted there at some point. Uh, and then, yeah, it was a godsend when they started uh, putting most of the matches on, on uh, Wolves radio for me to listen to.
0: Yeah, no, definitely is. Yeah. That'd be about right. Cause as we got promoted, the, um, I know um, the tea, the, the club, start, you know, sort of started paying the, their match fees for them and things like that. So it'd be all tie into that sort of whole sort of expansion, obviously with the COVID season, you're able to, yeah, when we got, did that cup run, he cup run in the COVID season, you're able to watch them as well for a couple of games, which must've been really good fun as well.
1: Very much so. <laughs> yeah. And I got lucky then because they were obviously broadcasting some of those. I got to actually watch them and that's been scaled back obviously in the, in the last year or so, but a uh, nice trade-off is that, like I said, they now um, broadcast the audio of every single game and the production of that has gotten better each year too. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's a real good sort of advantage that we've got over other clubs, so, you know, so especially at our level. So that's great. Well, we'll we'll dive into the, sort of the um, last couple of games, um, and we'll just, you know starting off with the County Cup game, and you know, maybe unlike the U.S. Women's National Team, we can do the free peats <laughs> of the County Cup. Um,
1: All right, right. <laughs> to,
0: sorry, Danny, it was too to easy. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll just have a quick run through the lineup. Um, Beck Thomas in goal, Ellie Wilson, Anna Morfit, Tammy George, uh, Merrick Will, Jade Cross, Amber Hughes, KJ, Beth Roberts, uh, Sophie Branford, and Beth Merrick. Um, I mean, I think obviously you will have got it as well as I did as well with the sort of the, the atrocious conditions that the team was being played in. And um, I don't think it's helped being at Compton. But that must have had an impact upon the team's performance because it was a tough, tough game to sort of play in, wasn't it? And we've just got the 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 highlights package up here in the background as we're talking. So, what do you think about those conditions, Danny?
1: Yeah, it definitely came through. I remember I was uh, listening to it and and uh, it was uh, commented on frequently by uh, by Matthew about how uh, how difficult it was, and you can tell even in the the shortcut together highlights, you know the. The play is very uh, stop-start. It's it's so difficult to get anything going in that kind of that kind of weather.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I think that sort of would have had an impact on both teams. But it's I think with Wolves knowing that they would you know like to play their attacking football and Boldmere having to play you know sort of playing deep and defend trying to defend a lot that would have had a much more of an impact on Wolves, wouldn't it really?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get that kind of randomness with the weather where, you know, the wind takes something. And sometimes that can mean you get a lucky goal, but it seems like in this, uh, I mean, their, their keeper looked outstanding for the first (laughs) so many saves. I I do wonder, you know, how much of that is just errant, errant shots, errant passes, you know, that didn't quite go where we wanted them to.
0: Yeah. I think it's one of those, isn't it? You just got to play to those conditions and keep going. And certainly they did. And, and when you look at, um, how long it took? To, you know, we didn't score until sort of towards the tail end of that first half, and it was a Ellie Wilson goal to, to, to tee us up. Um, four goals so far for Ellie. That's, I mean, this has been her best season so far in terms of goal contributions. So, I mean, it's been a huge plus for, for us this season, have it? Having the, uh, the, the the defenders contributing goals so much.
1: That's interesting. I didn't I didn't know that, obviously, you know, when you get into a a men's team abroad, there's always so much out there about, you know, their stats from previous seasons and whatever. It's much harder to dig into that stuff from afar. Um, But that's great. You know, um, on both sides, you know, you need you need those goal contributions coming from all over the pitch because you never know when when a striker is going to run cold or you're going to have injuries or whatever. Yeah,
0: and there, there's the goal, a nice headed goal in from a corner, and, and sort mm-hmm. really gives us that sort of potency in the, in the box, doesn't it? With with her contributions there. Um, and just moving on to sort of the, the the second goal. I mean, Amber, it's Amber again who gets the goal, but she's really now starting to sort of set up and fight, get back into that rhythm of scoring goals, isn't she? There's you know several goals on the games on the on the bounce she's scored now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we knew it wouldn't take long. It's always going to take some time coming back from from some time off, but uh but it was bound to happen. It's it's more of an inevitability than anything that, that Amber's gonna find find the goal eventually.
0: Yeah, and a really good setup there from Tammy George, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um the the the, the sort of the first goal we had, it, it was a bit of an interesting one yeah, you because know, technically because it was actually an own goal. And I think Tammy was wanting to try and claim it for herself. Um <laughs> I did do a bit of research on this one because it's actually our first own goal since thirteenth of April in twenty twenty two, so that's over a season, you know, a season and a half ago that we last had an own goal. got sc- going, you know, scored in our favour, um, and I don't, don't suppose you can guess which game that was that we had that own goal in, can you, Danny?
1: No, <laughs>
0: definitely not. Uh, it was the Brick House game that was played at, under the lights at Molyneux just after we'd won the league title. Okay.
1: Yeah. Actually, I do remember that. Now, now that you say it, I mean, that would have been one that I would have had easy access to. And I do remember that on goal.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's that's, I mean, it says how, um, does show how long ago it is. So I mean, I think that's, it's one of those really random stats you're sitting there going through. And we had a couple that season as well. So it's, it's odd to go from nil to, uh, or from a couple to nil to then having, um, having won now finally, um, mm-hmm. Boldmere obviously sort of you know, did keep going they kept fighting, but it was sort of wrapped up at the end wasn't it with uh, Anya Denham getting her first competitive goal for the club. Uh, she's going to be a real bright spark isn't she? She's really sort of starting to build up into the team and sort of starting to contribute isn't she? Yes,
1: yeah, it's it's great to see it. I mean, you'll know more. You'll you'll have you know she's been on your radar. I imagine more so than me, but um, but it has been interesting to see her sort of burst onto the scene just in the last couple of months, really.
0: Yeah, I think it took a little while for her to get her international clearance, having um, come from, I think it was North Wales Academy or something like that. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's, it's a real, she, she, she certainly seems a hand, handful and somebody that, when you looked at uh, in the uh, sort of last couple of games, has really sort of added something to to the team going forward and being only, what, 16, 17, it's, it's a great talent to have. Um obviously finished four nil and they did the Birmingham County FA did the draw and we avoided the, the the big guns of Aston Villa and rugby and got the, uh, the small team from down the road in the, uh, for a black country derby in the semi-final of the Birmingham County Cup, or sorry, Birmingham challenge cup. It, we'll obviously preview it when we get closer, but that's going to be a real tasty game, isn't it again?
1: Yeah. I mean, what, what more can you ask really? And, and, uh, you know, re- regardless of the, uh the relative strengths of the two teams. We have such a good record against them that, you know, you you have to be pleased with that.
0: Yeah, it will be a chance to go nine on the bounce, nine Black Country Derby wins on the bounce. I mean, that's, they're going to, to be fair to them, last time we played them in the semi-final of the County Cup last season, it was the closest they came to a victory, but it was at their place. So I think, I, I would hope that the club really promote it and try and get as many fans down to the, the new Bucks head um, for that game and really build up the atmosphere for it and make it, Real, you know, use the term loose, not you know, neg- not negatively, but real hostile atmosphere. So it's it's a real sort of cauldron of noise for for you know cheering on our girls and, and sort of making it more difficult for West Brom. Um, something obviously, you, you 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 would want to hear as a listener on on you know sort of coming in from afar is some that would be something you'd benefit from, wouldn't
1: it? Absolutely, and and you know, I I can't help but think you know for the for the local fans you know you don't get very frequent uh, matchups between the the men's team uh and West Brom so you think that you'd be able to promote it in that sense too i mean who who could who could uh, resist to come down to the new bucks head and and watch that when you you know it might be years and years between matchups for the men's team
0: yeah, especially when I think if I remember rightly we scored something like 30 odd goals against them in the last nine games as well. So it's not like we uh, we don't score, you know, they don't score goals against them either. So um it should be a cracking game when we when they do get round to it. And that's the no doubt. twenty um check my notes here, twenty 28th of February, 27th of February, something like that, if I remember rightly. Um so that should be a uh, 25th of February. There we go. Um, Should be a real cracking game, that, under the lights, or uh, Sunday afternoon in uh, the Black Country. Right, moving on to the the second cup game that we're going to sort of look back at. Um, It was... uh, Peterborough United, so my lo- one of my local teams. Unfortunately, I was um <laughs> I-, I was traveling your way at the time, so I couldn't actually. Uh, I say your way, I was south for the south. I was heading to Miami for work. Unfortunately, oh, okay. oh that's so right, I,
1: I remember what you say on Twitter, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So unfortunately, I couldn't make it. But um, it- it- we started rapidly. I- I- at the top, I mean, the lineup didn't really, you know, sort of didn't really change. Um, from from the previous game, you know, it's it almost selected itself. Um, realistically, and I think we, we went straight into it and really sort of cracked on, didn't we? I mean, Amber, what within three minutes we were one nil up, and Amber had got her, her first goal of the game. And it's, I think it just shows about how sort of clinical we're, we're becoming. And I mean, I okay, appreciate Posher, a tier four team but they're a top tier four team and they were, they were there. They've worked for it from what, you know, you talked to, to their social media, they were really up for it. So it, it said something about how professionalism, doesn't it, Danny?
1: Absolutely. And it's something that we struggled with. I mean, obviously to do with, you know, injuries to, to Amber and, and Maz in the, in the past season, but, you know, it's nice to see that clinicality, even again, as you say, a, a team in a lower division, but like you still have to, You have to show up and do it. And it's something that, you know, we've sometimes struggled for uh, for that clinicality in the past. And it's also just it's Amber back to her best. I mean, this is what she does.
0: Yeah. And we've just got the second goal here where she tries to go around the keeper, or she does go around the keeper. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good that she doesn't actually she's found by the keeper. She could have gone down. And if she'd gone down, that would have been the keeper walking, but Amber's more interested in getting the goal, isn't she? I mean, that, that that's my sort of uh, view of that That um, build-up to that goal. I mean, just rewind the, the yeah. highlights just so you can see it again. I mean, there, there she is running through, and the keeper tries her best without obviously trying not to commit, you know, use her hands, misses her, but she can clip, seems to clip her. But I think it was a, probably was a foul, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's great to see mean, You know, you don't like to see players go down cynically. But at the same time, we ended up with a score that looks like the keeper might have been sent off. <laughs> yeah. um, but but uh, that would have been a great opportunity to give us a massive advantage for the rest of the game. Um, but you can tell that she just, she has eyes only for the goal, which is classic for her.
0: Yeah. I, and I think, to be fair, picking up on just on that keeper point, I think the keep, the posh keeper actually was probably their player of the match. And, and you now, obviously, when you sort of see those sort of 7-0 Win, you think? Oh, the keeper must have had a mare, but actually, I think it's she. You know, she kept the minute, it, kept it uh, as low as it was. Um,
1: and yeah, but- you can tell even in the highlights that Wolves put out themselves, which obviously are biased towards <laughs> the plays that we did well in. You can tell that she had a good game.
0: Yeah, um, Beth was obviously taken off. Beth Merrick was obviously taken off early in that um, that second in the, the first half. I mean. It, She took several sort of hefty kicks, hefty challenges. Um, would you possibly have taken her off a bit earlier, uh, and sort of rested her um, a bit more? You know, sort of, I mean, we all know Beth Merrick doesn't like coming off the pitch, but would you have taken off a bit earlier, perhaps? Once we're free without
1: having seen it, you know, I'd always uh lean towards protecting the player, especially with us already up uh, at least a few goals. Um, but. You know, I, I certainly wasn't there, and in, in, in no position to say uh, whether it looked like she could carry on or not. And I, I know that she'll want to have carried on, obviously.
0: Yeah, she's uh, I, I would hate to be the person who had to tell her to, uh, "No, you're coming off benefits. Uh, you've, 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 you've had enough, you know you've got to protect you," because that would be a uh, one hell of an argument to have. Um, when she did come off, obviously it was it was meant that, um. Lexi Harrison was able to make a debut, which, you know, it's good to, to sort of got her onto the pitch and getting some game time. And obviously um, from sort of, from talking to those who were there, she looks a bit rusty, but that's probably more just for uh, that sort of um, not being part of the team, not sort of being used to how with the team plays. So I think that's she's another one who's going to really build into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at the, the goals as they go in, um, Sophie Branford had a great goal, as did KJ as well. Um yeah. Uh, you know, we've, uh, and that we had Robbo's early, Robbo and Tommy earlier, it's good to get other players chipping in. And whilst obviously we're sort of really proud and pleased to see Amber back getting, you know, sort of in the score sheet and another hat trick, but it is so important that other players are chipping in as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I was really impressed with, uh, with Sophie Brantford in this game. I just remember, I think, you know, as typically happens, I'm listening to this game uh, in the morning, my time, often it's a Sunday. And so I'm, you know, out doing grocery shopping or something else, and I just felt like I was hearing her name every few minutes. It was just, you know, she seemed to be everywhere. Yeah. Um.
0: At the end of the game, um, there were some interesting post-match interviews. Um. Certainly from uh, Dan Lawler, the uh, the the Peterborough manager, who seemed to indicate in his post-match comments that well wolves weren't actually that good and if we'd actually bothered to turn up we would have bit battered them um i might be summarizing them slightly there and i might be taking slight sort of liberty with the the phraseology but danny that that's how it came across to you did, did as sorry is that how it came across to you or am i mishearing him
1: no i think you're right it, it was it was a bit of an odd post-match interview to be honest i think he uh started one way and then ended another you know started out very complimentary you know it's obvious this is a team from the division above. Much better, you know. No doubt, you know they were deserved winners. And then by the end, quite what you said, you know, he was saying that we didn't really turn up and we made them look better than they were. And whatever, you know, it was uh, very strange. Very strange indeed.
0: I, I I think it's really odd one, especially as everyone's going to go go out there, re-watch that, watch the highlights, see what's said, and just go mm, really, really they cut through you, yeah. yeah i i have said it before um i think I think last season he, he, he peter burrow the the Peterborough mascot spent more time in the in the home dugout than um and then Dan lawler did at one point which uh, hmm. suspensions from being sent off so um yeah say no <laughs> more um yeah so obviously that was progression in the cup and the f a cup um draw Done live on Instagram. I don't know, obviously, whether you were able to watch that. It was, um, but it gave us the interesting trip, and we'll just look at heads to these now of Hull City away this weekend. Um, Their team that's top of Tier Four North, so sort of the the you know sort of again another Tier Four team, um, but they're 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 top and comfortably top. But they're not going to be. So I don't think they're going to be any walkover, are they, Danny? I mean, I've you know you were seeing the league fixtures and the results as much as I have. I mean,
1: yeah, no doubt. And, and I can't help, but think that it's um, in some ways, it's a good draw to get in that sense, because I, I mean, obviously you always want to be able to go through as comfortably as possible. Everyone wants, you know, I'd, I'd love to see us progress as far as we can maybe get some of those uh, those really exciting ties later on, but you know, we've been out of, we've been out of league action for a little bit and it'll be nice to have a team that, you know, is going to be uh is going to be very competitive and and get us back into that instead of you know someone from much further below and something where you're going to rotate or something.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point that that, that I actually because I was looking back through sort of some of the draws that we the, or the draw we've had since we joined and we had tier three Starbridge who were no pushovers. I mean I know we we battered them and you know, they'll they'll admit that we battered them. We then had sort of one of the top tier four Midlands teams and then we've had. Tier 4 of the North, yeah, you know, in Hull. Uh, and when you compare that to sort of Chorley, Annick, um, you know, Cowden Cal- uh, Court, you know, sort of the teams that like likes of Burnley um, and Newcastle in particular have had, we've had a bloody tough run this FA Cup, haven't we? I mean, in the Absolutely. context of the games that we could have had. I mean, yes, OK, we've got Newcastle, Forest and then, Blackburn Rovers or something, or Birmingham. But <laughs> I'm not saying, yeah, we couldn't, we might not, we might have been able to have had tougher, but it was, yeah. it's in comparison, it's a bloody tough run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, uh, and like I said, the, the sort of silver lining of that is, is, uh, keeping that level high, um, to keep us competitive in the league, which I mean, this year's league is going to be as competitive as it gets. So, um, that's, that's the silver lining. That's the good news of that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, and just picking up on one final point before we look at the sort of the te- preview in our team going forward is um, something that uh, Chris Gadsby on his show mentioned. With so many of the championship teams being in the south, there's a lot more of the tier four, uh, tier three northern Premier teams going through into or chance to go through into the, the next round where the real big money starts to come through. And therefore, there is some real good chance, even if we lose in the tier four, you know, in sort of round four, that actually will get huge. You know, it could result in a huge amount of investment for the club and huge income um, generation for the club, which will help fund the club or the sort of women's part of the club going forward next season. You would think not necessarily in full, but, but a significant amount forward, wouldn't it?
1: absolutely and i mean that that can only be a good thing i'll keep my fingers crossed for that <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah nice tell you what i'd love a nice easy uh, tie in round 4 so we get through to round 5 and make it really right. entertaining um, absolutely okay i mean obviously Hull last time out well last they they played they've played fc united of manchester twice back to back um last time out it was in the league um where they beat them 6-0 at home but when they played them in the fa cup um they beat them 3-2 um, at FC United Manchester, so they're they're consistent. there's goal scorers, so you know which demonstrates from why they're where they are. Um, one benefit we do have is they have moved from where they were playing last time we played because obviously they've been out of Tier Three for a whole season and a half now. This will be their second season away from Tier Three North Northern. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Would have loved to have seen the place that they played last time, Danny. It was an absolute proper quagmire of a pitch, uh, and it was when we uh, the pitch the the club put the, the pitches up of the, the they're in the white kits. And I remember uh, Natalie Woodall sort of coming on as a sub, and within sort of five minutes she'd done a sliding tackle straight through the through this big mud patch, and sort of there's this white, lovely, shiny white kit just covered in mud. It was brilliant. All <laughs> um, I would love say is. It was it was a stunning pitch. It was stunning that. But what I would say is, hopefully, this place is now level because the the last place they played at, the, the 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 center circle was in a different sort of uh, part of the pit, part of the landscape, to the uh, middle of the uh, penalty area. But hey ho, um, they've been a fairly stable side um, from what I can see. They've kept eighteen of the twenty three play or eighteen of the twenty three players they've got there at the minute were there last season. So obviously, building a good young side. Um, one thing I'm sure you'll hear when you listen to the commentary is the guy that we've played them. I think like when we played them sort of last season, two seasons ago, when they they were there, we played them three times cup, league, and league twice. And there's a guy who every game doesn't matter what the score was, he was down there singing all the way through, really loud, really passionate. Great guy, really sort of. um but so you'll have it. to you'll have uh, I'll to listen keep... out
1: for that yeah
0: yeah no definitely um one thing I would know about Hulk because they're actually um I don't know whether you know this Danny but they're independent from their the men's team they're completely separate club share the name but they are a separate club and then you look at how much they're doing on that their um commercial side of things mm-hmm. Um they've got their own calendars shirts to sell etc is there something you, you know you obviously you can't you know you can't see them as much but is there something you as a commercial you know, sort of a overseas fan would want to buy or something that like the club could sell that was specifically Wolves Women? Just out of interest, obviously, on the back of that one. I,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I can't um think off the top of my head, you know, a, a list of like products that that I'd love to see. But I think it would be great if there was more interest paid to sort of, you know, Wolves Women specific things. I mean, I know that you can get their names uh in the club shop but that's still not an option online to uh for you know anybody who lives outside of the area things like that I mean but also like you said I mean it's a much lower I know it must be complicated for sure printing and sending it overseas and whatever and and uh and doing the the F-A-W-N-L uh lettering and whatever but you know something like that is actually a great idea these separate products you know they're doing calendars or whatever you know like whatever it is that is wolves women specific and also you know these things are commercial opportunities um, obviously to make a bit of money for for wolves and not, but those things we know are kind of a pittance in in terms of you know wolves overall budget even wolves women budget potentially but it's also a way to gauge interest generally you know mm-hmm. you put out these things as long as it's a cleverly selected and and marketed thing in the club shop that's sort of more geared towards fans of wolves women and it's a way to gauge you know not just local support but how how much are people like me and you know i i i accept that overseas fans of of a tier three women's team in england you know we're i'm sure we're not all over the place but the club also might be surprised at how much interest there is that either bleeds over from the men's team or Grows organically on its own, and that's that's valuable information for the club, and also valuable money, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think with the 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 as you sort of said in the opening, with the sort of the um pro, you know, how big women's soccer is over in America, I think it's a real untapped revenue. I hope if we do do a. If the club goes and does a tour of of America, they make sure they take some of the women's players over there with them and help sort of use that as a you know to promote the women's team out there. And I probably won't be possible to play a friendly because of the work commitments of of the players, but it'd be good yeah. if they could get them out get a handful of them out there just to go and help promote the club and build the corporate spiel, the brand, the, the image, etc. But actually, it helps generate interest, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is something that we've uh, talked about on <laughs> through DM on on Twitter a, a bunch, but I'll repeat some of it here cuz it's worth repeating. Um, you know, the the interest in women's soccer out here is is so strong and a lot of Americans especially I think get into soccer secondarily, you know, they're, you know, they grew up watching American football or they grew up watching baseball or whatever and then soccer comes later. And a lot of times that comes later when they have kids who are who get into soccer um and if those kids are our daughters you know often they're into women's football as much or more than than the men's football so all this is a roundabout way of saying that i think that there are a lot of american fans who may first see the wolves men's team obviously um but then you know because they've gotten it in gotten into it with their kids are like very receptive to you know getting into the, the women's team as well. It's, like I said, it's only natural um, to then support the the women's team that's wearing the same shirt. And uh, and I think that there's a huge opportunity there in a way that, you know, uh, you know, wolves want to export their brand to, to every country they can. But I think that there's a unique opportunity in America to have those things kind of go hand in hand where you get fans of the men's team immediately latching onto the women's team as well. And that's a whole different stream of uh, of fandom and also revenue, obviously. Yeah,
0: definitely, really interesting conversation. Really something that hopefully the club will sort of look into as part and parcel of the, uh, the the game, and certainly look around at what other clubs are doing and see what lessons we can learn from sort of both here and sort of overseas. Um, obviously, FA Cup this weekend with Hull. Um, go on, Danny. I- I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you uh, do the, the the prediction for us?
1: Can you be mystic, Danny? Um, I I think you're right. I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I still see us coming through. Obviously, um, I think that uh, I think it's going to take a little bit to to break through. Just based on, I think you know, an away game, a team that's doing decently this year. Um, I'm going to go. Maybe uh a, a not quite so comfortable until the second half. Three one wolves win.
0: Three one. Ah, see, I, I was going with a clean sheet, three 0 and that was mm-hmm. just one thing. Just quickly, just to pick up one. You would you stick to the same team that pretty much ran out last time round? You know, or would yeah, you? Yeah, I'd say changes? so. I mean,
1: that's such a it's already such a strong team. I don't see a reason. That, you know, I think rotating any uh rotating significantly uh is not not likely to be what uh MACA thinks of doing so.
0: no, That's fair. That's fair. Um then it takes us into the last league game of the calendar year. Feds um at home. Obviously before they the league rejigged fixtures, then we had postponements. Um we did look at this game. I mean it was a absolute pain them putting bloody rejig in the game to last minute.com after we recorded the but hey, so not a huge amount of change from actually when we talked about it last time, um, so a couple of or an episode or so ago. Um, one big thing that has changed is Rachel Derbyshire, who does like a good podcaster here. Hello, Rachel. now you're listening. Um, <laughs> we'll be back in goal again, or we'll be back in goal because she was back in goal against Durham in the FA Cup. So that's going to be re- that's you know no disrespect to to her cover. Um, she's a top quality keeper, and that make it a bit more challenging, won't it, Danny?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to that too. I'm looking forward to get back into league action.
0: Yeah. I mean, since we last discussed them, they lost 1-0 to Sestra in the FA Cup, but they were down to uh, 10 for pretty much most of the game, um, having had Mia Parry sent off. um, So obviously she'll be um, suspended for this game. Um, Tough league game. I mean, obviously Beck Thomas knows them from previously, but would you stick with Beck and goal or would you bring Shan back in as it's a league game?
1: I'm I'm not sure. I mean Shan hasn't had a ton of minutes recently. Um I think you have you know in the notes you'll talk about a bit later but um no no minutes internationally either mm. um and yeah I don't know Beck Beck has been really good recently and uh I, I do wonder if if it's just time to stick with the, the keeper that's uh, keeping clean sheets currently.
0: It's a tough one, tough one and so one I wouldn't want to have. I mean, I think there's a, there's a logic there that you bet plays, you know, sort of played the last sort of couple of games plays against Hull, we assume plays mm-hmm. this one. And then you've almost got a natural break where you can then make a decision coming into the, the new year and what fixtures we have then um, about right. whether who you start with, isn't it? So it's a real tough one. Um, I think it will be, sort of back to you know sort of more traditional sort of four five one rather than four three three. But I think it's gonna it'll be a, a real tough game. Um tight, real tight, proper humdinger. The feds are a tough team and they're doing really well yeah. this season. Um Danny, score prediction again, please.
1: I think like you say, tight, I can't I can't go against Wolves. So I'm gonna say two one
0: what same, same. I think it's two-one. I think we'll we'll nick it, but they'll give us a a, a lot of a, a good battle against us. Um, well, ladies and gents, that brings us to the end of part one. We'll be back after the break, where um, we'll be picking up on a, on a sort of a couple of other bits and pieces, uh, including the reserves, the player of the match, player of the month for November, um, some of the international roundup as we just alluded to, and just to chat about sort of, a bit more uh, sensitive subjects. So. Um, we'll do that, the sensitive stuff at the end, so we'll, we'll give you warning as well on that. But for now, see you after the break. Welcome back to part two of the 66th edition of the Wolves Win podcast. Right, let's dive straight into the reserves, um, Danny. Um, last time out, they played on the 26th of November, so a little while ago now and they ran out 9 nil winners against Notts County Reserves. So a real sort of a, a good set of... A good game, really, is all, all round. Um, great to see um, sort of a first-half hat-trick for Alex Keats, a hat-trick for Lindsay Ross-Baker, and goals for Darcy Cartwright, uh, Beth Grady and Tate Shakespeare. I mean, I think that's um, a real sort of good range of people contributing to goals, isn't it? You can't fault that.
1: Comprehensive, I think you'd call it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and interestingly, um, they were due to play on the 10th, so Sunday, against Starbridge um, Reserves, but they've had that game postponed, and my um, ears to the ground suggest that it was Wolves that called that game off. I just wonder, with um, us being able to take I think it's either seven have either seven or nine subs on the bench um for the FA Cup games on Sunday, whether some of those players are heading up with the squad to sort of um bolster that, you know, still f- fill up some of the injury spots, um, absences, because I don't think summer summer might not be available. She certainly wasn't available for it, the early game. And that, uh go for it, mate.
1: Yeah, that's a good thought. I I'm curious to know, you know, because the any of the reserve stuff is not you know particularly uh available for for anyone overseas you know who do you see um from the reserves who's who's pushing and and perhaps even ready for first team minutes
0: I think Darcy Cartwright I mean obviously she scored against Noel um on a debut she's been in and around there like uh, Tate Shakespeare um is doing well Beth Grady um one who sort of seems to be sort of slipped down to the radar still is Grace Gregory absolute baller. um she's struggled to get minutes in the first team she's you know she more than quality enough for the um for the reserves so she'll be another one who i can see um coming through i mean i think uh, originally obviously Anya was meant to be going into the reserves and has come straight into the first team so mm-hmm. it, it like yourself struggled to see much of the reserves in action mm-hmm. i think they've it'll be good to get more out more Publicity, results. I know they're looking at it as it's development football rather than, um, you know, wants to make some dance about it. So, because obviously, if they lose, you don't want to put pressure on them because of it, which I get. But I mean, they've done really well this season, you know, so far. They've, you know, put their top, top three, four teams, they're challenging the league, scoring plenty of goals. So, it'd be good for them. I think. I'll be looking personally if the squads, you know, depending how they're doing, there's no relegation out of that league. So I think it's, um, it would be a okay. case So I'll be looking at someone like seeing if we can get Darcy Cartwright or Grace Gregory mm-hmm. out on loan somewhere locally. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to Leafield, actually, give Leefield a, um, a couple of young our youngsters and give them a chance to have a crack at um, the, the league um play some competitive football. Um, that'd be my personal view. Um, It'll be, you know, beneficial for them. Um, I've always something needs to happen in that reserves league, realistically in the long term, because I think you know, you you sort of you play, well, I think it's eleven teams there, so you play ten, you know, twenty games, you can win the league, and that's it. You're back to square zero. And I think the league, the, the season that Tom Warren won it all went unbeaten, pretty much straight after the season, the, the team pretty much fell to pieces, not because of anything that Tom did, um, yeah. but because there was nothing. There's they weren't quite ready for for women first team but there was no next challenge. It was going right. to go do the same thing. Um, so they went and played fan first team football. Quite a few of them went to uh, TNS over in the Welsh league. So not far, mm-hmm. you know, so just across the border in, you know, in, from Shropshire into sort of Wales. So competitive football and they're doing well. You know, you see every now and then pop up on the social media feed. They're doing well, which is really what you want to see. Um, yeah. Obviously, KJ went off on loan and has done really well on the back of it. Leo Joyce is now with Calcer. It was another mm-hmm. one who was around the squad at that time um getting first team football but yeah um so yeah so i think so Darcy, really good um i think lindsay ross baker has been in and around first team football as well previously with solihull so i think she's she's on that cusp of being ready for for it she just needs that experience um i think it realistically i think it'll depend where we finish and where you know we've i, I think a lot of it will depend on seeing where we, the, the reserves are going sort of you know halfway through the season and also see where Wolves women first team are and see about getting some getting some minutes testing them out you know if we're if we're out of the title race sort of last you know few games of the season right let's chuck a few of you into it give you we'll put you yeah. know get you some game time I think that'd be really benefit be beneficial of a bad situation if they got that. So there we go. Um let's talk international football um just quickly um, Sham was obviously called up for Northern Ireland Um, but didn't get any game time at all. There was a victory for Northland against Albania, but a bit of a thrashing uh, from the Republic of Ireland. Um, Danny, do you think her lack of game time recently has, you know, for for Wolves, has impacted on that selection process, or do you think it's just Tanya, or should we want to see your different goalkeepers and give them a couple of of games just to demonstrate their ability?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm a a bit split. Um, I... I take your point that you know Shan hasn't had a ton of minutes, and uh, it it can't help uh, in terms of selection. Um, but at the same time, you know, in the 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 placement that Northern Ireland are in, you know, I I'm, I would be surprised if they're you know trying to find uh, you know give other people minutes and and trying to find who that number one is.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one, tough one. I, I feel for Shan because obviously she's battled really hard to get into that sports she's been given the number one shirt so when she was the, the call it was done mm-hmm. she had the number one i mean the only other option is that she's got pick got some sort of niggly injury which meant she couldn't start but she was on the subs bench mm-hmm. Um obviously the club don't make any real sort of injury announcement or news unless it's sort of really sort of major like with h and amber um uh, yeah so we don't know um but on the flip side anya denham called up for the welsh under 17s um had three games sort of pretty much back to back um in a sort of a camp um and and she got plenty of minutes actually and, and Wales won I think they won all three of their games and sort of came through that and I've now been drawn it um in the, for the next round which will be in march with Sweden Norway and Denmark I want to say um off the top of my head let me just double check that um I think that's a real good experience for her, isn't it? So yeah, Sweden, Nor- yeah. Sweden, Norway, and Switzerland, sorry, not Denmark. Sorry, go on.
1: I mean, that should be that should be really good uh opposition to face up against, you know, hopefully she gets she gets minutes during that because you know, that kind of experience is invaluable um to uh to play against people from other countries who, you know, are gonna have, you know, you're gonna face different challenges, different styles. Um, you know, it can only be good.
0: Yeah, I think that how they do it these this these under seventeen camps is they're in one country. So everyone comes into right. one country. So you have a you get should have a chance to I hope that they give them a chance to see some of the culture of that, that country as well, experience something a bit different. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a real sort of good opportunity to to grow. Um so yes, yeah, so congratulations to Anya and Wales for sort of progressing to the next stage. And obviously when we get to March and it's that competition, we'll sort of give keep try and keep you updated about where they are with it. Um it'll be a Fingers crossed, it would be a really good sort of competition. Maybe even in in Wales, they haven't confirmed where that those group games are being hosted. So, if they're in Wales, we might even be able to get a chance to go and see her and see the Welsh under seventeens. But we'll see. Um, player of the month for November. Um, I think it's it's been a real tough one. This one. Um, I know, obviously, um, yeah, a bit more a bit more tricky for you yourself down into sort of capacity. But I think. Yeah, so I'll rattle through and see. You know, get you to check it. Jump, jump in, so I add some comments, but mm-hmm. as well. But Amber Hughes, I mean, where do we start with Amber Hughes in last, this last month?
1: Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I mean, the only you know the only reason that I feel like Amber doesn't get Player of the Month in any given month that she's in action is because of the high bar that she's set for herself. So, <laughs> you know, the only thing that you can say, the only bad thing you can say about it is that you know it it's not terribly new for amber to be doing this
0: <laughs> yeah she's, she's she's got you put in front of the goal she scores goals doesn't she um moving on to somebody else who we've mentioned this this uh this pod sophie branford she's yes. she's certainly from my sort of view is sort of grown into this, the, the squad into the team and so sat, i think she's her last couple of games have been some of the best games that she's played in the wool shirts mm-hmm. i think she's certainly Come on, leaps and bounds! I had a really good month and obviously contributed goals as well. Um, Danny, you mentioned her as well earlier as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's as like you say, you know, someone someone in her position, you know, I think even if is is playing well, is probably not going to uh, bubble up to the surface. Even if people who are watching necessarily, you know, it's a uh, much more workman like uh, you know role that she plays. But you know that only uh, shows. How much more significant it is that you know, even I listening to it on audio commentary, I'm hearing her name so so frequently. You know, she, I even I could tell um, without the images that she had a a couple of really good games uh, there at the end of November, um, and that's it's great to hear. Yeah, and a really good goal, by the way. That was a that was a very well taken goal. It, it was. It was. Talk about
0: goal scorer well jade cross <laughs> uh, it's too good a link jade cross um y- y- another one you stick her in front of goal and she'll she'll bag your goal she's got a hat trick this month as well didn't she
1: yeah uh, and you know it's a little bit special because it's like when when i you know started following wolves women that's what she was doing and uh i know that she hasn't she doesn't get quite as many minutes these days uh with all the options that we have but it's that makes it even more special when she pops up and just can you know keeps on going where she was before, you know, to pop up immediately with a hat trick. Uh and you know, to be honest, makes it look so easy. Um, you know, what 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 more can you say?
0: Uh, and finally, Beth Roberts, left back extraordinaire, can find the back of a net as well. Miss consistent on that left back, you know, in that left back position, isn't she?
1: Yeah, again. Harder to tell through audio, but again, you know, when you see the assists coming in, when you, you know, it, it's clear that that her opposing numbers, the, you know, right backs on the other side, you know, struggle to deal with her in most games, Um, you know, completely, like you said, consistent.
0: That's, yeah. Well, those are the four players we've nominated this month for player of the month. We'll get the poll out. Um, so do please do give them a vote, share it, and do, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see who's who's going to be your player of the month for November. Um, before we go on to the next topic, this is a sort of bit of a sensitive one. Um, we're talking about going to talk about player welfare and bits and pieces. So um, we won't be offended if you do wish to sort of drop off now and, and sort of leave it, leave the conversation, leave the podcast. Um, do look after yourselves. Um, do if you need to talk to somebody, do reach out. Um, you know we might not be the best people, but our DMs are open. If you need to talk to us, do give us a shout. Um but as I said, look after yourselves, everybody, if you do need to have a bit of time away from it. Um Danny, you obviously sort of overstate side might not have picked up as much. Um but obviously we mentioned it back a, in a sort of a few pods ago that um a Sheffield United player um called Maddie Kusak had sadly passed away. Um, obviously there's a direct connection with Wolves women, with Ellie Wilson having played with Maddie at Sheffield United, um, and so it's it's close to us as a club, but also close to us as, as fans of women's football. Um, the Maddie Maddie's family have put set up a Maddie Cusack Foundation, trying to raise money for getting young girls to back into foot you know, into football, doing what Maddie loved. So if you you know and, and this is a, you know plea from us, if you can spare a few quid to support them, please do. Um they've released a statement um sort of last week, November twenty-seventh, um around sort of Maddie's death. Um and it, you know, just pick out a couple of key points from it. It's there for people to read if they want to. Um Sheffield United have agreed at the request of Maddie's family to carry out a thorough external investigation into the events that her family believe contributed significantly to her passing at the tender age of twenty-seven. Um Maddie's family have made it clear that she didn't have any mental health issues before um February of this last year when her spirit was allowed to be broken um you yeah, I think that's enough we need to say about that situation itself um I think you know one thing I would take from that is play welfare Danny uh, first of all, is, is hugely important, isn't it? We've got, we've got to look after our players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's something that I think we'll get on to as, as we continue this conversation, but, you know, it's it's not necessarily unique to women's football, but, you know, the placement of women's football at, at this moment, you know, means that a lot of times there aren't as many eyes on on something. So if there is some problem bubbling up, you know, sometimes... Um, there, there just aren't as many checks because there aren't as many people around to notice it. Um, it's still a little bit in the dark.
0: Yeah, I suppose there's a lot of people feel that that or the people in position can can sort of use their position of power to stop you doing what you love, and because of that, because you love what you're doing, the, you know the playing of the sport, they've they've got that control over you, haven't you so usually you don't want to rock the boat. Because yep. that's part of the issue, isn't it? Um, Before we sort of, and, and one of the reasons why I'm really pleased to have you on today, Danny, and we talked about this in the background is get sort of a, a US insight into some of the things that happened uh, last season, the last couple of seasons over in the NWSL. But just put a bit of a walls perspective on it. I think it was really interesting that uh, a tweet that sort of Maca or X, whatever you want to call it, tweet <laughs> that Maca did put out where he noted that. And I'll read it verbatim, uh, the, the section verbatim. We can't thank Wolves, Wolves women and a dedicated player care team enough for the superb player care package that is in place for all our players to access if it's required at any point. People over players. And I think that's that says a lot to me as a fan that we are looking after our players really well. And I think something from my perspective, uh, like yours, Danny, is if a player's not well mentally, they can't play play well on the pitch. That's you know it's 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 just like an, any other injury. You've got a niggly ankle, yep. you can't play as well. You've got something going on in the background, you can't play as well. What's your view on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and all the more important uh, when you're looking at uh, teams that are semi-pro or you know not at all professional. You know, people who have other jobs. You know, it's it's one thing to expect. You know footballers to sort of carry on and do their jobs when they're literally you know at the training ground every day their their whole lives are football but you know that that's often not the case in the women's game game, and and obviously especially at you know tier three um and so it's it's good to hear that um wolves are taking that kind of thing seriously because you know they they need to do what they can just as they do as you say with you know physical injuries
0: yeah no definitely um Danny, I don't know. You know, if you, I know there was issues over in the NWSL because of the my sort of involvement and interest in women's football, um, and sort of talking to other people as well. Um, it, it can you summarise what sort of some of the sort of the key issues, some of the things? I mean, in broad brush, what sort of some some things that happened over there?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I I obviously did a you know a bit of refreshing and, and research before I came on. Um, and I'm going to try to give a cliff notes version because obviously it was you know kind of a huge deal uh mm-hmm. and if you know if I'm rambling you know feel free to jump in and ask a question because you know there's a lot to this stuff um it's not just um a straightforward uh investigation of a single incident or a single person or anything so basically cliff notes version um in 2022 there were two investigations um that touched on the NWSL and on uh, several allegations of abuse um, across multiple different uh, teams. So completely unconnected, except that they're all sort of part of the same culture, um, mm. but but not necessarily the same uh, the same organization or system. Um, and uh, the results of those came uh, sort of late uh, 2022. So I think one came out in November and the other in December or, or thereabouts. Um, one of them was actually run by, uh, former, uh, deputy attorney general of the United States, uh, Sally Yates. So you can see how kind of, um, seriously they took it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, and I will say that, you know, a lot of us have a a pretty skeptical eye on the U S soccer Federation, uh, like a lot of uh, international soccer federations, they uh, aren't always doing the right things. Uh, but but we were glad to see um, that it was being taken this seriously because a lot of the allegations were um, extremely serious. Um, and, you know, for the sake of both brevity and also because I don't want to delve into the messy details um I'm not going to go into like the the specifics of of the allegations. Um, you can certainly find that reporting, uh, especially on the Athletic. The person to look for is uh, Meg Linehan, has done a lot of the reporting. So uh, you know if you're looking for more details than I'm giving, that's the name to Google. Um, uh, but basically, the the allegations um, ranged from you know the the very egregious you know uh, sexual harassment you know, inappropriate relationships, um, abuse um, to, you know, stuff that's just kind of generally bad behavior. So, uh, uh, you know, the use of like slurs and stereotypes during, during training or something. Um, so you know, and I'm not trying to sit here and uh, rank things morally, but oh, no, you know, think things that are just uh, you know the the acts of a of a bad person, but not necessarily um, trying to control a, a player's career or life or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even the more commonplace, and I w- want to say at this point, you know, stuff stuff like weight shaming, uh, something that perhaps we should be interested in is the fact that a lot of these things exist in the men's game as well mm-hmm. and um there there isn't a s- simple explanation for why we haven't had an investigation in the men's game but it's obviously several different things um one is that you know culturally you know men are condi- are taught and conditioned to just carry on with these things or to accept them but we know of cases even at the highest level of players being Called out publicly, sometimes even in the press, you know, think about like Luke Shaw for mm-hmm. being overweight mm-hmm. or something that this ima- imagined, you know, person would be, you know, twice as fast if they lost 30 pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's very acceptable for us to say, oh, there was weight shaming at, at X, you know, uh, women's team and this person developed an eating disorder. Well, we don't know because of our our culture. Uh, you know, how many male football players, even at the highest level have developed seriously problematic eating disorders. So this is a thing that doesn't just affect women's football, like we discussed, it just, it touches women's football, um, sometimes more frequently, because one, there's not a lot of money on it. There's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of attention being paid to it. So, you know, these things can kind of go under the radar for a lot longer than they would if they were in the men's game but that doesn't mean that these things don't exist in the men's game at all Uh, even the most egregious things probably have existed in the men's game at some point
0: yeah i mean just quickly on that i mean we had um i don't know how widely published how widely known it is across your side of the pond but there was the um lots of investigations into clubs and uh, sexual abuse of some of the younger boys, um, you know, crew mm-hmm. at uh, Celtic, um, numerous clubs, and that's just yep. picking out two because of the ones I know about. So it had we've had that some of that stuff, but it's it has been tried to be swept under the carpet. It was what happened at the time, all the usual lines that come out for these sorts of sort of hide these sorts of behaviours.
1: Yep. Uh, and just to sort of run through, just to show how widespread these investigations, or how you know far-reaching these investigations were, um, they um, they focused on, uh, or they you know were related to former head coaches of uh, North Carolina Courage, Portland Thorns, Washington Spirit, Utah Royals, uh, OL Rain, which are in Seattle, uh, Racing Louisville and the former uh, Gotham FC general manager and uh, one one head coach who is actually still uh in the job during the investigation but resigned amid the allegations during the investigation. So I mean that's that's probably close to half of the teams in the NWSL. So this was pretty much everywhere. And for a you know a league that is honestly fairly popular and successful, especially by women's sports, sporting terms. Um, you know, it's a little bit shocking because you'd think that at that level of investment, that, that these kinds of things wouldn't happen and certainly not that frequently, but, but the reality of course, is that, you know, um, bad actors allow other bad actors to stay in jobs that they shouldn't have. Um, and even in the case of, um, know the the head the former head coach of the north carolina courage as i I mentioned one of those first two had previously been the former head coach of the portland thorns and so some of the investigation was also about the hiring practices of how do you let this person who has this track record of player abuse get another job um Mm -hmm. and again i want to stress that like not every one of these cases is identical they're not all the you know the most egregious thing that you're thinking about um but some of them some of them were and uh in terms of having a professional league and this is the real key is you know uh whether, whether the players are professional or semi pro or whatever to have a league that is run uh properly you know it should be the 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 starting point should be the the lowest bar because you know, this isn't acceptable, regardless of you know how how much the players are being paid or how much they're just doing it for the love of the game or whatever.
0: Um Yeah, no, it's a really good point that that it, we, it should be those practices should be in place of how we how people are treated, how people are, are across the board are treated, respected, and regardless of whether it's you know. You know simple terms as as you know. No, I mean, I'm involved in um, kids football. We yeah we have safeguarding principles and practices you know, policies in place. Those those should be applied right up to adults football in sort of those how we treat and look after people. If you've got a safeguarding issue around an adult, how another adult is yeah one adult is treating another adult, it should be being reported and treated like that, isn't it? And that I think is you know something that we need to sort of really start to embrace and um, needs to be really considered. I did find it interesting that you're picking up that it is it is that managerial sort of level, it's that controlling element, isn't it, realistically over the players? Um, and We've seen, obviously, Rubiales in Spain, and um, he's obviously banned from three years now from, from involvement, having sexually assaulted. As we found out in the report, not just a, a Spanish player, but t- um, two English players as well at the same time. that wasn't just a culture of america i don't but you know you can't say it's a nwsa culture nwsl culture it's a it's a it's men in um positions of authority i'd argue
1: yeah absolutely you know i i'm not uh (laughs) you know i'm i'm not equipped to necessarily speak to you know what the exact dimensions are of of the problem you know Mm. whether it's western culture or you know European culture and by extension, the USA, but certainly, you know, the, the, the culture of, of patriarchy uh, that allows men in positions of power to abuse those things. And and I, I should go back and say that, you know, although I listed all these former head coaches, you know, part of the investigation obviously was the organizations that they were working in, many of which uh, turned a blind eye, which is a way of making it sound, uh, more sinister, but a lot of times it's just not taking, um, complaints seriously. So in many of these cases, um, players and not just the ones who were directly affected were, um, you know, lodging complaints with their teams and it wasn't being taken seriously enough, you know, things, things weren't being done, even if they were being listened to, uh, and, um, and one of the good things to come out of this, and I'll, sort of run through some of the, uh, you know, changes that have been made in a minute, um, you know, is that there is more of a requirement for these teams to report to the the NWSL, any of these complaints that come up.
0: Okay. And
1: that's sort of the first step is, you know, opening up um, uh, and a, like establishing an official way that, that complaints of these serious uh, problems get dealt with so that they're not just like kind of taken on a case-by-case basis and if the if the general manager or sporting director or whatever you know doesn't doesn't feel like pursuing it then it's just up to them and then it dies you know
0: it also means you can spot patterns can't you right if the same individuals doing the similar sorts of behavior it can be flagged it can be nipped in the bud um I think that's really interesting, and I think that's really interesting that you, you're saying about the NWSL having that role and responsibility. Um, bringing that back to the UK, so just or the England in particular, we've just they've just announced this last week that the uh, Karen Carney review has been is you know the government fully recommends its a, a adoption. Part of that was about that player welfare, player protection, player safety. Uh, you know, it was a key sort of theme within those ten objectives, and I think that's something that the Um, the new company, the new co that's going to be taking over the running of the WSL and championship really Mm -hmm. should be looking at how they can take some of those lessons learned from the NWSL and sort of implement them. Um, Conscious we're sort of coming towards the end of the show. Um, is there anything else, Dan? And you know, it's been really, really interesting, really useful to, to obviously be aware of it, but not gone in, down into the detail of it. Is there anything else we should be sort of picking up out of the, the NWSL sort of review that you know sort of key other sort of object the you know, sort of learning sort of points that we should be looking at bringing across to the UK?
1: Yeah, I think I think to me the one of the big takeaways is that you know this this kind of behavior, this, this kind of wrongdoing can, can really be at any level of, Mm -hmm. of the sport. Um, and probably, you know, it's easier for these things to go under the radar at lower levels, obviously, because like we said, there's, there's less eyes on it. And frankly, there's less money involved. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we like to think of the clubs that we support as being these great organizations full of people we love because we associate them with the players that we love. Um, But the reality is that unless they feel like there's an asset to protect, a lot of times the bare minimum is done. And so that's why it's important to have those sort of larger organizational changes, you know, in the case of, you know, in England, the, the FA or whatever governing body or the case over here, the NWSL or U.S. Soccer. To have these standards that go all the way down the the pyramid and all the way down the 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 youth levels to ensure that there are these standards and obviously as we're sitting here talking about we talk about all these you know potentially horrible things people are doing it seems like a no-brainer obviously you want to stop people from doing horrible things but you know i should stress that it runs it runs the range um, Mm -hmm. from obviously the things that every person knows is wrong to just poor poor player management, poor player relations, um, things that push people out of the sport early. Um, you know, it it can be any number of things. So, like I said, there's now like a, a duty to report uh to the NWSL. There's requiring um each professional uh league and team has to have a player safety officer. There, there's a bunch of things like this. There's also a restriction on the use of like non-disclosure and non-disparagement agreements, which were a big part of the re- the report as well. That there were these NDAs that were obviously used abusively, which you know, NDAs <laughs> have a complicated legacy as well. You know, they're yeah. they're never a sign that something okay Good is happened. being done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's one of the main things is, is like establishing official roles for state player safety that um, you know themselves carry with them a duty to report to a governing body um is a big deal and uh, you know the honestly the silver lining of the debacle with the the world cup and rubialis is that you know i think everybody knows about this now and it's not just isolated to one vile man you know being a total weirdo and, and creep on the world's biggest stage. it It is everywhere because it was also their federation, you know, doing everything they could to not do anything about it. Um, and the lesson we should take from that is that, you know, it's not that there's, you know, bad actors around every corner in every football association or whatever, but we need to have these kinds of standards at every level to make sure that, that these things don't continue to happen in the women's game where it's so common.
0: Yeah, no, really, really well put. Uh, And I I think it's at that point, we should, you know, sort of go back to, to look at as, as we said, you know, sort of earlier that sort of that what Wolves doing, obviously putting in a dedicated player care team gives the players that support and hopefully, um, yeah, there's been that support for the likes of Ellie and, and Liv as well. Um, you know, to reach out to and get that support and have somebody to talk to um in, in this sort of yeah, around this difficult time with Maddie. Um for, uh, and I said, Darren, thank you very much for sort of going through this. It's really been really helpful. Um we are sort of now sort of wrap, wrap up the end of the show. So I really do appreciate everyone listening into it who has stayed to the end because it, it is a heavy topic. Um but on sort of on the sort of the more positive side of things just like to first of all say thank you to yourself danny for coming onto the show really appreciate it do you want to give everyone a sort of thought where they can follow you on twitter etc
1: yeah absolutely um <laughs> i'm i spend too much time on twitter so you'll definitely find me there uh, i'm at baltimore wolves um spelled like the city in america um i am often seen on there you know putting out silly gifts or whatever And I'd love if, uh, if uh, wolves would come out with more content with the women's team. So that would be involved too. Um, I'm also involved in uh, the podcast, whole lot of wolves. H O L E W H L O L E L O T T A W L O L V E S. Uh, That's uh, the only American based uh, wolves podcast. Uh, It is obviously focused on the, the men's team. But uh, from time to time, I will sort of uh, give an update on uh, how the Wolves women team is doing. Most recently, I uh, had fun asking uh, Paul LePage, who's uh, one of our hosts, uh, who's, of course, born and raised in Wolverhampton, uh, you know, how he would feel if uh, if the men's team had uh, the women's team's current record against West Brom. <laughs> I can imagine and, uh, he was bit. Ball- yeah, a bit a bit lost for words. I mean, because it's kind of felt like the opposite, to be honest, but
0: Yeah. Oh good. Well, we'll get we'll make sure we tag in a whole lot of walls. It's a great group. And uh, yeah, it's a great pod as well. So it, yeah, so good looks them. Um and secondly, a big thank you to Wayne Harrison who don't gave us a donation on We Buy Coffee. Um, who bought us a coffee, well bought us a football, as we say. Um so thank you to him for that. Um you can do do that yourself on buymeacoffee.com forward slash walls women pod you can also find us on facebook twitter instagram um and all other sort of social media platforms that elon musk hasn't wrecked um all at walls women pod so please do um like share drop us a five-star review um but also please please everyone look after yourselves um reach out um and and sort of do talk to somebody if you need to it's a, it's a Tough time of year as well coming up with yeah, the end, end of the year, dark nights, etc. cetera. Certainly, over here um, to do sort of look after yourselves. But finally, Danny, thank you very much. Uh, and so, goodbye for yourself.
1: Goodbye.
0: So, goodbye for me. Goodbye. And up <laughs> the mighty wolves.
1: Up the wolves.